Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Sandra, would that I could be so organised. Clearly, you've got a handle on the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear about your departure, young Sandra, but uh, we'll speak before you go. We definitely will. Lovely. Take care. You're listening to Otherwise here on SAFM where we're talking women and uh, on the show today we're talking freelancing, which is definitely very liberating but not necessarily for sissies. Going to be talking to the chair of the Southern African, well in fact she's not the chair, she is the past chair of the South African Freelancers, Southern African Freelancers Association. Also chatting to a freelancer to find out how it works for her. And later on, we'll be hearing about the outcomes of a workshop called Approaching 20 Years of Democracy, Women, Leadership and Transformation. Talk to a couple of the women who played uh, a role in all of this to find out what uh, some of the things that were highlighted were and the way forward, because we uh, need to make a plan to strategize, I suppose, to make sure that women do get there in the end. That's what we're talking about on the show today, but uh, first, just a quick look at uh, what's news. Well, what's news in the UK certainly caused a bit of an outrage is the apparent assault by 70-year-old Charles Saatchi, well-known art dealer, on his celebrity cook wife, 53-year-old Nigella Lawson. That happened whilst they were in a restaurant. Fellow diners reported a heated argument during which Saatchi apparently repeatedly grasped Lawson's neck, pushed his hands into her face and pinched her nose. Lawson appeared upset and left the restaurant in tears, passers-by said. But while witnesses photographed the incident, no one actually reported the crime to the police. Saatchi initially dismissed his actions as playful, but had now accepted a caution for assault. But the issue of all this is, that, uh, is of no one doing anything to help. According to a university lecturer in psychology, Danny Osborne, he said it was more complicated than it seemed. Studies show, he says, that there are five stages to negotiate before people were moved to step in. The first stage was noticing, then came interpreting the problem, then accepting responsibility for providing help, deciding what to do, and then actually doing it. Well, I wonder what you would have done. What would I have done, I have to say? Would you intervene when two celebrities, one of them a whole lot bigger and stronger perhaps than you are, were having an altercation? Would you really go in and say, hey, this is not okay? But the point really is that no one thought to report it to the police. Well, on that subject, I'll leave you to think about what you would do. Let us know, eh? You can send us an email on otherwise at safm.co.za or send us a message on our Facebook page, which is otherwise on SAFM. But just staying with that subject, just received in my mailbox a, a newsletter from Brothers for Life. And it's a declaration by the men of South Africa on the elimination of violence against women and children. Well, I read on and they say... As men of South Africa today, we acknowledge the damage caused by acts of violence committed by some men in our communities. Affirming that violence against women and children constitutes a violation of the rights and fundamental freedoms of women and children enshrined in our constitution. And this declaration was signed by Deputy President K.P. Motlante and 200 other South African men on the 16th of April in Johannesburg. So if you would like to sign the pledge, they invite you to do that very thing on www.brothersforlife.org, brothersforlife.org. So if you'd like to be part of that declaration uh, by South African men on the elimination of violence against women and children, check out the site and click on pledge here, www.brothersforlife.org. But right now, you're listening to Otherwise. Otherwise, on SAFM. 
It is indeed otherwise here on SAFM, talking women and talking women in freelance today. Freelancing, it's uh, very liberating, as we would all know, as certainly some of us would know. Um, liberating, but it's not necessarily for sissies. It's kind of a little bit edgy, no one to lean on necessarily. Well, we were to have been joined by Helen Ickerman, uh, chair of the South Afri- Southern African Freelancers Association, but she has a really bad cold, which is one of the things that dogs a freelancer. If you get sick, that's your problem. So instead, we're going to be talking to Georgina Geddes. She's former chair of SAFRIA, and she currently serves on its oversight committee. But just before we speak to her, we thought what we'd do is chat to a freelancer and find out how it is for her. So on the line, we have ourselves Hitikani Mbatsana. She's freelancing as a writer, researcher, and in new media. Got her on the line. Hi, Hitikani. Hi. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm fine. How's it going? How long have you been a freelancer? Well, I've been doing it um, full-time. I went full-time at the beginning of the year. Um, I have been freelancing uh, part-time for, for two years now, so I'm still a newbie. Okay, so you were part-timing before, so you had a part-time, a part-time paying job and freelancing at the same time. Great. Kind of sounds like the ideal situation, you know, foot in both worlds because you've got something that you can be assured of. Clearly, your freelancing was was going well, so you thought, let's do go the whole hog. Right. I I, I really enjoyed doing the freelancing a lot more than um, my other job at the time. Um, I was teaching English online and freelancing at the same time, and I really found I couldn't put in as much work as I wanted to in the freelancing um, while doing another job. So I decided to say, okay, um, let's do it full time. Okay, so you you um, you released the the teaching online. What sort of freelance work were you uh, have you been given, and, and what is your speciality? Well, um, I'm currently working a lot with girls, um, girls issues, as I've been working with an NGO, and I've found that that work has been uh, quite rewarding. Um, I do enjoy writing about travel and lifestyle. But what I've found is um, within the NGO community, I often get um, my clients from there. So I've been writing a lot about uh, women's issues, particularly girls um, accessing technology. And so I'm, I'm sort of going in between the two. I have to say that the NGO sector is not known to be terribly flush with funds. Is, it, is there a sufficient amount of paying work for that to be worth your while? Well, um, currently it's going, it's going okay. The project I was working with had some government funding, and so that was helpful in that way. But definitely they are struggling with funding as well. So I've started off uh, in this niche, and I'm enjoying it. And But sometimes I do need to, of course, take into consideration that with NGOs, um, I, I might need to alter the pricing a bit sometimes I do that. Yeah. So presumably you're working from home? Yes, I work from home. What are the upsides? What are the downsides? Well, the, the, the upside is that you just have everything um, at your fingertips. Like, all I really need is my computer, the internet, the phone. So that's just easier than have to travel. So it cuts down on the travel time as well as travel expenses. So it's working out a lot cheaper. I would say that would be an upside. And um, a downside is it's almost as if you're always at the office uh, because you're right at home. And I would also say 
people often don't think I am working because I'm at home. Yeah. Um, so I often get people maybe interrupting me a little bit more than they would be if they that I was um, working, actually working. Yeah. <laughs> people sort of feel like you're not working, you're at home, you're in your pajamas, you're not doing anything, you're watching TV, but you're actually working during that time. So, how um, do you how do you solve that problem? Um, just close the door, really. <laughs> okay, I've had to be quite open mm. with it, especially with family. Um, I've had to be quite thin about that, and I've had to create actual zones within the house to be. This is the office zone. This is the house. Um, just just create that difference. Otherwise, you do kind of feel like you're always working, and and there isn't a different space. You're not yes. entering the office, coming out of an office, that kind of thing. Do you have a family at home? Pardon? I mean, do you have family at home? I mean, do the family sort of respect? I mean, have, how much family have you got that you uh, need to look after or contend with? Uh, well, at the moment, it's just um, my mom and my grand. Okay. And, um, like, with my parents and my grand. But they, it's, it's a difficult thing to explain freelance writing, especially to, to my parents. And so I've often found that I've had to be a lot sterner with them because it's they feel strongly, well, this is not work, and what are you actually doing? And because it's not going into the office and, and really seeing. So it's been an interesting um, transition. The not going into the office bit, how much of a problem is that? Because, you know, one of the things about the office is that you sort of, you know, meet up with other people around the coffee or whatever, you know, there's stimulation, there's interaction. How is that? It can get a bit lonely at times, uh, but... I think I do a little bit of collaborative work, so I often do have to go out and, and chat to people who I'm working with. So that, that is quite helpful because you do feed off other people, especially when you're being creative. Um, so for me, I do, because I collaborate a lot, it's, it's a lot easier to deal with that. Uh, and, the, and the financial aspect, you know, it does mean that you get paid when you've done the work. You, you know, you can't be guaranteed of a regular income unless you've got regular clients. Uh, you know, how, how tenuous does that feel? Yeah, that was quite difficult. That was a difficult part to deal with at the beginning. And you really do have to manage your finances quite well. And you essentially have to uh, freelance as a business. So you need to really get your mind around the idea that you're running a business and you need to budget appropriately and you really need uh, need to be quite strong about that, which can be quite difficult. And, of course, I've had a few clients who haven't been um, very forthcoming with their payments yeah. on time, and that definitely does cause uh, a bit of a hassle for me. But those are some of the perils that you face. Yeah. And, you know, it does mean that you are a little bit on your own. It kind of means you've got to do everything. You know, from, I don't know, it's not like in the old days we had to go and post stamps or whatever. I mean, there's not perhaps so much to do. But do you feel that you would like to grow into perhaps having somebody else working with you? Yeah, I think ultimately a lot of help there would definitely be be useful. But when I found, when I went, uh, when I started working freelance, and I, when I started working full-time, I also joined um, Safria, which gave a lot of tips to actually help you in that in that regard because I was sort of drowning a bit of especially with the financial contractual aspects of things. And so just to give a clearer guideline of what am I doing, what what software is best for this because 
your staff, you might not be trained in all that. So yeah. just introducing you to different software that you can also use that is easy for freelancers to use, and there, there is quite a bit out there. So that's been helpful at the moment in terms of organizing the financial aspect. Because you are doing everything. You're doing the work, you're writing, you're the, you're the marketer, you're, um, you're the financial manager, you're doing everything. So you really need to be on top of your game there. Yeah, and you need to be pretty strong. Hitikane, thank you very much. We're going to be talking to Safria just now to get some of those tips that uh, have been helpful for you. Shall I give out your email address? I mean, you are a freelancer. What would be helpful for you? <laughs> and it's the what? The email address would be great. It's yeah. hitikane83 at gmail.com. Hitikane83, those are the numbers. Yes, yeah, great. 83 at gmail.com. Super. Yes. Very best of luck. Great. Thank Take you very care. much. Nice. It's a pleasure. Hitikani83 at gmail.com if you'd like to get hold of her. She's a freelance writer, researcher, new media, working particularly with young women. And you're listening to Otherwise here on SAFM. Stay with us. Free data just got bigger and better with MTN. You can score 4 gigs of free data every month on the MTN 5 gigabyte internet package for only 499 per month. It gets even bigger. Get 8 gigs of free data every month with the MTN 10 gigabyte internet package for only 899 per month. Free data can be used all day and all night. That's more Mahala on your world-class internet network. Internet package is available on a 24-month contract. Conditions apply. MTN. Everywhere you go. Introducing more savings from Specsavers. Now you can get between 250 and 1,000 Rand off the normal industry price for your prescription lenses. That's right, up to 1,000 Rand off your prescription lenses. Another reason why we are South Africa's leading eye care group. Change to Specsavers for affordable eye care and a whole lot more. Seasons apply. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. We were talking about what it's like to be freelance, and if you're freelance, I'm sure you will have related. <coughs> excuse me, to some of what Hitikani had to say, but certainly being the financial manager and everything else that's involved. But we do have somebody on the line from Safria. She's Georgina Geddes. She's a former chair of Safria, which is the Southern African Freelancers Association, and she currently serves on its oversight committee, so she's still very much involved. Hi, Georgina. Hi. I'm sure you would have found it interesting to hear what Hitikani had to say. Uh, I did. I, w- I was actually impressed with everything that she had to say because she... She says she's only been in it for such a short while, but it really sounds like she's, she's got all of her ducks in a row already. Yeah. And she also embraced it. Uh, you know, a lot of people go freelance maybe because they can't find anything else. Uh, is, is that usually the case, or do, be, or do people freelance by choice from the get-go? You get a lot of different, um, different reasons for people entering into the freelancing space. Um, some are because of retrenchment from the main uh, full-time employment, um, others are people like me who um, chose to do it because of the flexibility that they required for whatever reason. In my case, it was that I was going to have a kid. Um, and um, you, you also get a sort of smaller segment of the population who do it because they're, it, it's almost like a pastime for them. Um, so they don't need the employment, but they like to write the odd article here and there or do a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Um, and you do also get those. So they're very different reasons that people enter into it. Um, and, and, and the requirements and challenges are dis- different for, for all. Yeah. 
Yes, I suppose you can see it as a sort of pastime, like a like a hobby. But I'm sure a lot of people that, that may be one of the perceptions, like you're not really working, you're just playing at this, which is a little bit difficult. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you for sure that uh, that since I've been freelancing, I've worked harder than I've ever worked um, for any boss in my life before. Mm. Why is that? Well, there are a few reasons. The first is that. As a freelancer, you chase the money. It's as simple as that. So yes. it's very, very difficult to turn down a job. So you always just try and squeeze one more in. Um, what's nice is that for the hard work, you see the returns. So um, if you kill yourself and, and, and work to various deadlines, you, that's money in the bank for you at the end of the month or the end of the next month. Um, so, so it has its own rewards. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, there are lots of upsides. Um, Georgina, we've got on the line another freelancer. Her name's Angela Newson. And because I'm thinking, you know, a writer is the obvious, or a writer, photographer, somebody in those sort of that sort of field is an obvious for freelancers. But people do all sorts of other things on a freelance basis. And I think Angela Newson actually does websites on a freelance basis. We've got her on the line. Angela, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, hi. So you, tell me what else you do. You do websites on a freelance um, basis? Yeah. I do websites. I do annual reports, actual corporate design, brochures, and large format design. Okay. And does it go, how does that go? Were you doing it uh, in another role before? Were you, were you doing something similar on a permanent basis before? Um, I used to be a creative director before I went freelance, and I used to work uh, predominantly on annual reports, but before that I had uh, agency experience as well. Okay. Why did you decide to go freelance? Was it a choice? Uh, it was a choice. Um, I found that there's a lot of politics when you get into larger agencies, and I just thought that uh, what I'm more interested in is the design aspect rather than the politics. So you, are, the sort of thing that you do, can you do it countrywide? Presumably anybody can contact you anywhere, give you a brief over the phone or online, and you can deliver. Yeah, um, I've got a couple of clients in um, KZN and in Cape Town uh, that I deal with on a regular basis, and... Um, they choose out of brief me by phone, by Skype, and uh, they send me through a brief. And then we work via a, a format called Dropbox, and we exchange information that way. What, how long have you been freelance, and what are the upsides, what are the downsides? Um, I've been freelancing now nearly for a year. Um, the upside about it is that if I want to take some time off, I don't have to ask a boss for the time off. And um, I've got the time to do what I want to do. And if I want to spend more time on a project uh, than what I actually initially quoted on, I can do so out of choice. Um, the downside of it, once again, as your previous freelancers, uh, basically you work a lot harder, but you're actually enjoying the work more. Okay. Um, the, the thing about taking off time when you want to take off time, whether it's, you know, just going out for lunch or, or taking off a, a longer weekend or something, that means that you're not going to get paid. Do you, to what extent do you budget very carefully? Um, I just, uh, I always make sure I've got a bit of a cushion in the bank. Um, I don't uh, try to overspend. Um, I just make sure that, um, uh, that it's, 
I still take off the time, more, mostly in the time when it's reasonably quiet. But if there is an emergency, then I can just kind of say, okay, hang on a minute. Uh, I'll phone my client and tell them I need to push the deadline out a little bit, and I can attend to the emergency. Do you find that, uh, is it something that you think that you will, this is now, you found a good pattern, you're going to continue with this, or are there days when you think, gee, wouldn't it just be nice to go into an office? So, well, sometimes I think it would be nice to work for a salary, and then I then I just remember about all the things that uh, restrict you from, the, the, the restrictions that you don't have as a freelancer. Uh, so... I just, I just kind of like feel that freelancers give me a, gives me uh, a freedom that I would not have in a workplace. So I, I kind of like see that right straight away. Do you get enough work coming in? I mean, um, Georgina was just telling us there that uh, you know you're always chasing the money. If a job comes through, very hard to say no. Do um, it is, it is very hard to say no, and uh, sometimes it gets very quiet. Um, but the, the the reality is, on the end of the day, it's um, um, it's enough to keep me afloat at the moment. But like I always say, I can always do with more work. You know. Well, then let me give out your your email address too, if anybody would like to be in touch. What is it? Okay, great. Thank you. Oh, what is it? But it's uh, Musen A, which is spelled M for mother, yeah. E for Edward, U for unicorn, W for whiskey. S for sugar, E for Edward, N for Nico, and then the letter A at V dot com. At V? No, me. For oh, at me, dot, at me dot com. Yeah. Lovely. So it's Mewson A at me dot com. Yes. Super. Very best of luck. Thanks for Thank joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Bye. Well, there you go. Now, if you need uh, any annual reports or websites or anything like that, any corporate person to contact is Angela Mewson. That's M-E-U-W-S-E-N-A at M-E dot com. And if you want any writing done, you can get hold of Hitikani at Hitikani83 at gmail dot com. But Georgina, we've not finished with you yet because there at Safria, it's very interested to find out about all the useful things that you do for people. I didn't ask Angela if she was a member of Safria, but how many members have you got? Uh, we currently have about 350 members. Um, and that's, just to clarify, it is um, a media freelancers association. So, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't really help out a, a freelance bookkeeper, although there is uh, one of the biggest arguments we make for our community is that freelancing is, is, is a mindset or almost a business modality of its own. So you might be very good at writing, but you could be a terrible freelancer. And what we try to do is we try to fill in that gap to help people to become good freelancers on top of being good at what they do. Okay, so some people are obviously going to be a little bit better suited to it than others. For sure. Mm, okay. Um, Georgina, I'm hoping you're going to stay with us a little bit after the news headlines. But no just problem. before we, we cross to that, the sort of people who would not be suited to freelancing would be what? Difficult personalities. Okay. Um, that's, where we see, that's where we see the biggest problems coming up between clients and members is when... Um, People don't know how to properly interrogate a brief, and then instead of working out a compromise if there's been a misunderstanding, they get cross, and, they, and they're kind of almost looking for that higher power. They're desperate for that boss to see their side of the story and argue the point for them. You've basically got to be this calm, collected presence, 
um, and you've got to be able to take ownership of your own issues. Yeah, sure. I hadn't really thought of that, but I suppose that's, it's absolutely no good. There's no buffer zone. I mean, you've got no account exec or anybody who can sort of be a go-between between you and the client. No, you're it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's freelancing is about client management, and that's, that's really what we try to help people with, is, is, is how to deal with them. Do you give workshops on that specific thing? Um, we, we have monthly uh, meetings in Cape Town and in Johannesburg and in a couple of other, I think there's a KwaZulu-Natal chapter and we're trying to get a, a Kauteng North chapter going where we, um, we have monthly meetings where there are speakers who give that kind of advice. Um, but we, we have a very, very active mailing list um, and we've got um, yeah, 350 strong people who, who are very experienced at this who give exactly that advice when people are in tricky situations. Yeah, yeah, I suppose people are very good. It's a bit like Facebook. Everybody's very good at, at helping everybody out if you need help. Stay with us, Georgina. Georgina Geddes, she is former chair of SAFRIA. That's the Southern African Freelancers Association concentrating on media freelancers. Going to be getting a few more chips in just a minute and find out what sort of people are the right people to be freelancing. But right now it's 1.30 news headline time with this one. But right here on Otherwise, we're going to, in a minute, we're going to be talking about 20 years of democracy, women, leadership and transformation. We'll be talking about uh, an online dialogue that took place to see what the outcomes of that were. But just want to finish off with Georgina, who's busy telling us about the Southern African Freelancers Association. Um, I suppose rather than find out what sort of person is right, perhaps let's rather continue with the sort of the sort of setbacks or personality traits that you may have that would make you not a good freelancer. So a difficult personality, Georgina, would not be um, not, a confrontational sort of person would not be a good freelancer. What else should one beware of? Um, being disorganised. Okay. Um, and it's it's an interesting sort of thing because until you freelance, you sometimes don't know how you manage things when you're on your own. Um, you know, so someone who might have been very disorganised when they knew there was someone else looking out for them or managing their timesheets might suddenly find that they can kind of switch it on and, and make it happen out of necessity. So it's very difficult to judge in advance, but you definitely need to be organised. So if the idea of doing your own billing, of keeping your own control sheets um, scares the bejesus out of you, then it's, it, it's really not a good idea because there's a lot of admin. You could, however, outsource that sort of thing, could you? Could you find another freelancer to outsource to? Yes, you could, but definitely in the first couple of years, freelancing is about really Keeping tightening your belt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and as much as you could outsource it, you need a full-time person to, to add something to a job sheet. Uh, you know, if I get a commission, in, I immediately put it on the job sheet because yeah. I might be deeply involved in something else. Um, and forget about it completely and then I'll find it on the job sheet a day later and go oh my goodness yes I must yes. start planning that story yes. um, so you, you, you know yes you can hand, it, hand your bookkeeping over to someone else and I certainly do that now um, but they but you actually need if you were to have an assistant you could hand over these things as they happen but but other than that you've really got to keep very close track of it all the time so you've got to have job sheets you've got to be organized you've got to be a fairly compliant or understanding sort of non-confrontational sort of person what else um, you've got to you've got to get quite a clear understanding of how finances work because um, the tax issue is, 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 is a mind-boggling one. Some clients insist on subtracting tax, um, others don't. Um, so you've got to very, very carefully keep track of your finances and make sure that you're putting enough away for tax so that you don't get lumped with a 50,000 50, rand tax bill yeah. that you can't service at the end of the year. And keep, keep a track of all your various IRP5s, which will have come from all sorts of different sources. Yes. 
numerous yeah. different sources, um, and as well as your expenses, there's a lot of deductible stuff. Every time you buy a magazine for research purposes or a box of rusks to eat in the office, you can deduct that. Um, so, you know, you really need to keep little folders and little files everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I totally relate. It's all a little bit of a nightmare. But if you can be organized, is there a handbook? I mean, does Safria offer not just advice and workshops, but some sort of handbook? Um, th- there's, a lot of, there's a lot of information on our site. Mm. Um, but, no, we don't have a specific handbook. Maybe that's a good idea for all the freelancers to, to club together on in our spare time. Um, but, uh, you know, there are lots of books out there, but there's, uh, you know, we really, we really believe in the power of collaboration just because yeah. each circumstance is so different. Um, and it's really nice to get, to get feedback, and you always will from, from the Safria mailing list. You'll get, you'll get lots of different points of view ranging from, oh, tell them to get screwed, <laughs> to be yeah. very polite and say you're terribly sorry for the misunderstanding, and you can usually kind of choose which approach works best for you. Yeah, I love the way you say in our spare time. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, that was very tongue-in-cheek. Yes, I don't know yes. if you heard the sneer. No, <laughs> let me pick that up because there is no spare time because you're kind of working 24-7 one way or another, and I suppose being a, mem- a part of a membership um, deals with the loneliness factor. You know, even if it's only through getting the regular newsletters and, and the get-togethers, it does mean that you're, you've got people to share. You know, we also went online and we found, or did a bit of Googling, and we found something called freelancecentral.co.za. So I suppose if you're looking for work, it's a good idea to sign yourself up with people who are maybe going to be able to give you work as well. Yes, and Safari also does um, advertise jobs, but we, we do make it very clear that we're not a recruitment agency because mm. we get a lot of new freelancers who come to us and kind of say, okay, so where's the jobs? So I joined up, but I haven't received any jobs in my inbox. Yeah. Um, and that's not what we're about. We're about providing the support. So um, I suppose back to the earlier question, another person that you shouldn't be is somebody who's afraid of networking. Okay. When you start out, you're going to have to exploit every possible past contact that you've ever had. Um, phone them up, offer your services, phone them up again, um, suggest what you can do, and some of it can only bear fruit months later. Yeah. Well, you've outlined a very clear, uh, a very clear profile of what a freelancer should be. And, uh, Georgina, thank you very much. I'm sorry to have taken up so much of your time. It's, it's Back not a to the computer. Just, it's something that I want to add because I think yeah. I might have painted a rather severe view of it, hmm. is that um, while it's very tricky, it is... It is Definitely worth it for the right personality type. Um, and I know, for instance, if I've been planning a holiday with a friend and the friend has said, I'll just have to ask my boss if I can have that weekend away. It's, it's an unfathomable notion to me um, that an adult person's time is owned by another person. Um, that, 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 that kind of control and power over my own life is very important to me, even though I owe a lot to um, all of my clients and I have to run anything by them. I mean, I have to make sure that everything is met before I take a little bit of time off. Um, that th- my own power is very important and that, yeah. that, that's satisfied by freelancing. Well, we did say that it was totally liberating and certainly thank you very much for that rider at the end, Georgina. It's made it all sound worthwhile. Thank you. <laughs> <I'm glad. laughs> Lovely. Thanks, take then. care. Thanks Bye. for your time. Cheers. Georgina Geddes, well, if you would like to know a bit more about Safria, they are a media freelancing agency, or at least not an agency, a freelancing organization, association. It's safria, S-A-F-R-E-A, dot C-O dot Z-A, and we will put them up on our Facebook page, safria.co.za. You might also like to check www.freelancecentral.co.za. Listen to Otherwise. Stay with Otherwise, on SAFM. 
Well, certainly freelancing the way to go for a lot of women because uh, certainly if you've got children, it's one way of solving lots of problems. As long as everybody takes your work seriously, uh, that's certainly the way to go. Well, next up, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about women and transformation and leadership. In fact, recently held was an online dialogue under the title Approaching 20 Years of Democracy, Women, Leadership and Transformation. Transformation. And it was initiated by both Oxfam and the Agenda Feminist Media Project. So what was on their agenda? And in terms of questions, what were the, uh, what were the results? On the line, we have Janine Hicks. She's chair of Agenda Feminist Media, and she's also a, a commissioner of gender equality commissioner. And we have Glenise uh, Livendahl, who is with Oxfam in South Africa. So hi, Janine. Hi, Glenise. Hi, Nancy. Janine, I'm going to start with you. Um, actually, I'm not. Sorry. I'm going to start with you, Glenise, because I think it may have been at Oxfam's initiation that this online dialogue came together. Just explain. Yes, um, once again, hello Nancy and to all your listeners and thank you for the opportunity and to participate um, in your show. And maybe just to give a bit of background um, to Oxfam um, before I come to how we um, came to support um, this specific dialogue. So Oxfam is a global um, confederation of 17 affiliates um, dedicated to fighting poverty and related injustices around the world. And we operate in over 90 countries, of which South Africa um, is, is one of those countries. And we have over 70 partners in the country. And um, we have a long-standing relationship with um, Agenda Feminist Media, um, have supported their feminist journal and their, community, and their programs on community radio stations. So what were you hoping to achieve with this online dialogue? Um, so women's, uh, the transformative women's leadership, um, the work, the project is very much focused in our gender work. And um, the, this video conference, the dialogue that was co-hosted by Oxfam, Human, um, the Human Sciences Research Council, and the Gender Feminist Media was actually part of carrying forward um, the discussion that we had um, with our partners um, via webinars, which was a four-week series around feminism, what does it mean, feminism at the individual level, feminism at an organizational level, both in terms of practices and, um, and beliefs, but also around um, what does it mean um, in terms of also informing the further production of feminist theory. And, yeah. Okay, so uh, Janine, then moving on to the actual agenda, what was on the agenda? Were there certain questions? Yes, what we wanted to do, picking up on the, the context that Denise and Oxfam had already initiated, we wanted to zoom in on women's leadership. Um, here we are approaching 20 years of democracy. Where are we in terms of women's leadership? Um, so one of the inputs and questions was looking at you know, the statistics. Where are women in terms of representation and leadership? How are we doing in terms of parity? and enabling environments. But we wanted to go deeper than that and, and ask the question, once women are in positions of leadership, what sort of impact are we seeing, um, particularly when you come to the issue of feminism? So if women are occupying positions of leadership, what constitutes a feminist approach to leadership? What kind of, what does this style look like? What kind of impact does it have? And then finally, the third question and issue we were looking at is, when you have women who are in positions of leadership, hopefully picking up a feminist agenda or infusing gender equality into their leadership processes, how do we, as women in civil society or women on the ground or a women's movement, how do we support women leaders? And importantly, how do we hold them to account 
to a broader body and stakeholder group of women. So those are the issues that we were zooming in on the dialogue. Let's look at the issue of feminist leadership then, underline feminist leadership. What does it look like as opposed to just a woman being a leader? Mm, very much so. There's two very distinct issues there. Mm. We had great input from Professor Amanda Khos, who was talking to us about transformative feminist leadership, and she highlighted there were three key elements to transformative feminist leadership. It requires activism, it requires um, a critical thinking and accountability, and it requires mobilization. So when you're looking at what would be feminist leadership, you're looking at critical individuals who have a feminist consciousness, who are raising issues that impact on women and ensuring that they're getting on the agenda, the political agenda or the policy agenda. And that critically also that they have connection with women's movements um, to ensure that these are embedded and carried forward. So it's, it comes down to individuals, whether that's a man or a woman, who have that feminist understanding and theory and they put it into practice um, by putting gender equality and making those issues visible and putting them on the agenda. So a feminist, uh, a transformative feminist leader wouldn't necessarily need to be a woman? Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But a woman in a leadership position doesn't necessarily have to be a transformative feminist leader. I mean, already, as we know, it can be quite difficult for women in leadership positions. And if, if it, it, we're suggesting that they need to be doing this as well, it adds to their load. Absolutely, and this is one of the criticisms, you know, we've, we've been pushing for quota system and 50-50 women's representation and leadership, and one of the attacks and answers we get in return is, well, having more women in positions of leadership doesn't necessarily generate um, more feminist policy or gender-sensitive policy, and that's absolutely the point, that it's not about having more numbers there, it's about building that critical thinking and awareness and activism and surfacing of gender issues. I certainly don't believe that it is a woman's job to always be raising the issue of gender equality or feminism. We need to build that consciousness and activism amongst all leaders and community stakeholders. Yeah. Denise, who took part in the online dialogue, the video conference? Um, it was um, Oxfam and um, our partner organizations who we support, and some of these organizations are um, Justice and Women from KwaZulu-Natal, um, Sweat, which is the Sex Workers Education and Advocacy Task Force, NISA Rape Crisis Cape Town Project Empower in KwaZulu-Natal, and Triangle Project. So there was quite a sort of an NGO element. Yes, it was most of it was NGOs, and I think oftentimes one would um, what also came out um, from the dialogue um, that um, this program is on is that it's not surprising that the the sector with the highest number of women leaders is that of civil society, um, and oftentimes I think you know it's a work that you do. Um, to change values in terms of attitudes and beliefs um, concerning, for example, gender roles. But oftentimes the practices within these organizations are very masculinist and also do not recognize, um, you know, oftentimes the domestic burden that yeah. women carry. And that is why a, a conversation through the webinars 
you know, just to remind us all about often that we sometimes have to practice inside also and be the change inside of what we want the, the change in the world to be. Yes, a, a reminder, but for some, maybe it's the first time they would be considering such a thing. So, Janine, it sounds like, you know, the, uh, the civil society is where it's starting to, or where it's happening most, this transformative feminist leadership. Then could other other sectors of society, you know, other areas, uh, corporates, uh, government, etc., could they be taking leaves out of the the NGO book? And definitely, one of our other speakers, Prof. Jane Riera, who was looking at how are we doing in terms of women's equality in the workplace and women's representation. And what is apparent is that we're doing very well in terms of women's political representation. Mm. We know that those stats of women in parliaments. Um, are sitting at around 45% women in provincial legislatures, women as as ministers, etc. And that within the political realm, we're doing well in terms of women's representation. But this is alarmingly at odds with women's economic empowerment and women's participation in the labor market and representation in the private sector. Um, we know this from our Employment Equity Commission and BUSA SA and other business women's association figures that show that women are faring very poorly in terms of leadership in the private sector. And I think something that Glenice has touched on there, um, you know, that we have this gap, we've got this, this political commitment, we have these constitutional values and commitments to gender equality, but we have this disconnect, this gap between constitutional values and societal values and practice um, that yeah. demonstrated by women's poor representation. But do you say that you know, we are doing well in terms of political uh, re- representation of women in a political arena. Is it making sufficient of a difference? Many would argue not. Um, they would look at the women um, parliamentarians that we have and say, well, where are those MPs when there have been misogynistic statements made by male colleagues? Where were women MPs in acting against the traditional course bill, for instance? Which brings us back to your original question about pressure and unfair um, obligation placed on women in positions of leadership to challenge male autonomy, to challenge these male-dominated institutions, um, and to keep these gender issues surfaced on the agenda, um, which is why we were wanting to broaden this dialogue and look at issues of support and connection with women's movements. And interestingly, we had the public protector with us, Advocate Tuli Madonsela, as one of the key women leaders in our country right now, talking about um, roles and challenges for women at leadership at all levels. The, it sounds like there was a great deal discussed and a great deal of, of enormous value for, for women uh, in the video conference. Is it still available, Glenise? Is it still, can it be seen on... Um, we certainly um, have uh, the, the sound that uh, we have recordings that okay. we can share with you. And can it be accessed on your website? Um, I will get the details to you after the show, um, okay. but it's also on agenda, also has access to it. Um, so we can certainly pass it on to you. It's okay. not on our website mm. yet. I'm just thinking if, if any of our listeners would like to sort of pick up on it and perhaps hear a little bit more, they could access it directly. That, that's absolutely correct, Nancy. If listeners go to the Agenda Feminist website, which is agenda, www.agenda.org.za, we have the podcast of the video conference available for download, and we should have a formal report um, on the dialogue, and we're just busy finalizing the report now. It should be up within a week or so. Fantastic. Well, it certainly sounds like a, a d- debate that, or a dialogue that could be had 
all around the country in different pockets and uh, you know perhaps we would all move forward a little bit more quickly lovely thank you both very much very best of luck and I'm going to give out those details once again and Glenise we look forward to hearing from you again thank you thank you thanks a lot thank you thank you Glenise Levendahl, who is the uh, Gender Advisor at Oxfam, and Gillian Hicks, Commissioner for Gender Equality. And they were talking there about the recent online dialogue, which was called Approaching 20 Years, Women Transformation, Women Leadership and Transformation. If you'd like to hear a little bit more, www.agenda.org.za, agenda.org.za. You're listening to Otherwise. Next up, it's uh, Shop Shop, the children's programme.